We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. go episode 621 of the Al Galdi podcast it is Friday July 28 2023 the one week anniversary of the official closing the official finalizing of the sale of the commanders from Dan and Tanya Snyder to the Josh Harris group Dan and Tanya or as I saw written somewhere Dania <laughs> what do you think about that Dania for Dan and Tanya like Benefer for Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Dan and Tanya are Dania. Whoever came up with that, I salute you. And I also salute this. Joe Jacoby, one step closer to finally being elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We on Thursday learned that Redskins all-time great offensive lineman Joe Jacoby, heck, maybe the greatest offensive lineman in team history. That's actually an interesting conversation. Uh, But whatever the case, Joe Jacoby has advanced to the next stage of election to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The Pro Football Hall of Fame's seniors committee trimmed a list of 31 semifinalists to a list of 12 players, including Jake, who, of course, should have been in the Pro Football Hall of Fame years ago. So very happy to see this advancement for Jake, and hopefully this time is the time. Uh, Also, by the way, the Pro Football Hall of Fame's coach-slash-contributor committee reduced its list of 29 semifinalists to 12 people, including two former Skins head coaches, Marty Schottenheimer and Mike Shanahan. So the Pro Football Hall of Fame's class of 2024 could include Joe Jacoby, Marty Schottenheimer, and Mike Shanahan. Hello and welcome to this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, also on Thursday was big news regarding the Commander Stadium situation, specifically the team's next stadium potentially being on the RFK Stadium site in Washington, D.C. Next segment, I will react to that news and talk about a man who was a big topic at Commander's training camp at the team facility in Ashburn, Virginia on Thursday. Edge defender Chase Young, uh, a lot of Chase Young talk on Thursday. Head coach Rod Rivera said of Chase, quote, he's light years ahead of where he was last training camp, end quote. Uh, Chase himself had some positive things to say about his health. 
Uh, he also addressed whether he needs to reprove himself to the team and to fans. But what if we are about to get a highly productive Chase Young for this coming season? What if the Chase Young, the predator of the 2020 season, is about to be in effect for the 2023 season? Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, you certainly can't count on that, but you also shouldn't dismiss that as a possibility. Uh, Also on the show, I will discuss notable comments from Rod Rivera and quarterback Jacoby Brissett on Thursday on the team's quarterback situation with, of course, Sam Howell being positioned to be the QB1 uh, and a bunch more stuff from Ron on Thursday, including him on two 2021 Washington draft picks who have some things to prove this coming season. 2021 second round offensive lineman Samuel Cosme, who's being positioned to be the team's new starting right guard and 2021 third round receiver Diami Brown. Uh, And then later in the show, I'll talk Nationals. Uh, They on Thursday night had yet another game that included a rain delay. There lately have been way too many rain delays in Nats games. Uh, The Nats did lose a 2-1 loss at the New York Mets despite starting pitcher Josiah Gray tossing six scoreless innings. Uh, Before we get to some feedback, a lot of talk on Twitter on Thursday evening. Or is it the X? I'm not sure. What are we calling Twitter now? Twitter or the X? Anyway, uh, a lot of talk on that social media thing on Thursday evening about news that was broken by a friend of this podcast, Ivan Lambert of Commander's Wire. Headline, quote, Commanders do not renew Julie Donaldson's contract, end quote. Uh, Wrote Ivan, quote, Julie Donaldson, Senior Vice President of Broadcasting, is being relieved of some of her duties. Commander's Wire observed and found it strange that Donaldson was not on camera, nor facilitating any of the activities that announced the transfer of ownership to the Josh Harris Group last weekend. Commander's Wire contacted Donaldson, and she was reluctant to convey anything initially. After three consecutive days, she relented, expressing there is going to be a change in her job description and responsibilities. The plans currently are that Donaldson will remain a part of the Commander's radio broadcast team, have appearances for the team throughout the year, and thus will be working game days. End quote. So, The team in July 2020 announced the hiring of Julie Donaldson as Senior Vice President of Media. She essentially replaced Larry Michael as the head of the team's broadcast operations. And she, for the last three seasons, has been part of the team's radio broadcast team uh, with Bram Weinstein uh, taking over Larry's play-by-play duties. I like Julie. Uh, She has always been very nice to me. Uh, I, on radio, had her on as a guest quite a bit. I would think that what's happening here is a decision, at least in part, by the team president, Jason Wright, and not, say, Josh Harris. I mean, Josh just got here. I don't know why he would make his first major change relieving Julie Donaldson of some of her duties. Uh, And what Julie was doing certainly would seem to fall under the purview uh, of Jason Wright and not Ron Rivera. But we'll see. Uh, there may be more to the story. Uh, you can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Steve Mulhern on the Commanders, right, Steve? Hi, Al. Loving the podcast. I'm excited about this coming season. Thank God that Dan Snyder is gone. <laughs> I wanted to say that I believe that Ron Rivera would have been a better head coach here if he had not had to deal with all of the BS when he got here. It was hard for him to have to be a manager in addition to being a head coach. Now, like he said on Tuesday, 
he can focus on football. With Eric Bieniemy and Jack Del Rio, I really believe that the Commanders will be better this coming season. Thanks again for all that you do. Well, thank you very much for that, Steve. Uh, I like the optimism, man. Uh, all of this non-football stuff that Ron Rivera has had to deal with during his time as Washington head coach certainly has not helped him as Washington head coach. But I think that you can acknowledge that stuff while also believing that his overall regular season record of 22-27-1 as Washington head coach isn't good enough. And I know that that's where I'm at. I respect Ron. Uh, I don't think that he's some horrible head coach. I totally recognize the mess that he took over and the mess that he has had to deal with. But 22-27-1 isn't good enough, especially when you consider that Ron isn't just a head coach. He is a head coach in a coach-centric approach. He is in charge of player personnel. Uh, but hopefully this coming season is a great season for the team. Uh, email from Corey Schreiner on the good times that we're enjoying in Washington, D.C. area sports right now. Writes Corey, huge fan of the show ever since 980. I am still part of the early morning warrior contingent. Thanks to you, I have my auditory cup of coffee during the week. Uh, thank you, Corey. Continues, Corey. Just wondering if you've processed just what is going on in D.C. area sports. The commanders have new ownership. The Wizards seemingly have got a front office that is willing to do the hard work of a rebuild. And the Orioles are in first place. What is going on right now? I am having a hard time digesting all of the good news. On another note, I was a little disappointed that there was no Friday 5 a.m. foam party last week after your one-time return of Go-Go Thursday. I had my glow sticks and cargo shorts <laughs> all ready to go. Anyway, thanks for the best sports podcast in the DMV. I'm going to jump on my unicorn now and fly to work since we live in a positive fantasy land of sports. Uh, thank you. For the email, Corey. Yeah, we'll see where what the Wizards are doing actually takes us. But no doubt, uh, I am really happy with what the Wizards are doing. And certainly, if you are a combo Commanders-Orioles fan, as I know many of you are, <laughs> right now is tremendous, right? I mean, not since 2012 have you had reason to feel like you do right now if you are a combo Commanders-Orioles fan. We in 2012 had the Redskins winning the NFC East for the first time since 1999 and the Orioles making the playoffs for the first time since 1997. I'm not sure if right now is better for the uh, combo Skins-O's fan than 2012 was, but uh, we at least have a conversation. Uh, well, always willing to have a conversation with you is the great law firm of Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that is always ready to fight for you, to go to battle for you. Uh, Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace provides passionate advocacy on behalf of injury victims designed to help them and their families move forward after the most difficult of times. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. How about this? Two verdicts versus Merrill Dow totaling $132 million. Yep, yeah, Paulson and Nace has taken on Big Pharma and won. 
Uh, Clifton versus Georgetown University Hospital, a $50 million verdict for a young mother injured during childbirth. Uh, Bradley versus United States of America, Paulson and Nace win a case for which the United States government had to pay nearly $1.8 million. Paulson and Nace took on the U.S. government <laughs> and won. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace if you feel that you've been wronged. If you think that you've been wrong but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. And don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace Take care of your family. Well, ratings and reviews help out the podcast a lot. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long. It can be just a sentence or two. But the ratings and the reviews help us out a lot. So, Thank you for doing them. Uh, well, Thursday was quite the day at 2023 Commander's Training Camp. We on Thursday morning had, for the first time at this year's training camp, a practice that was open for fans to attend, and the crowd ended up being great. Uh, also among those in attendance at practice on Thursday morning were members of the new ownership, the Josh Harris Group, a managing partner. Josh Harris was there. Limited partners Mitchell Rails and Mark Ein were there. And also there was the governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin. Uh, Very interesting (laughs) that Governor Youngkin was in attendance because also happening on Thursday was a big announcement, a joint announcement from House Committee on Oversight and Accountability Chairman James Comer and Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton. Uh, James Comer is a Republican representing Kentucky in the House of Representatives. Eleanor Holmes Norton is a Democrat representing Washington, D.C. in the House of Representatives. James Comer and Eleanor Holmes Norton don't exactly see eye to eye (laughs) on many things. And yet, the two have teamed up for a bipartisan bill. Uh, This announcement was of a bipartisan bill called the D.C. Robert F. Kennedy Memorial Stadium Campus Revitalization Act. And the purpose of the bill is to transfer administrative jurisdiction over the RFK Stadium site from the Secretary of the Interior to the Administrator of the General Services Administration, or GSA. The bill would allow for the GSA to enter into a lease with Washington, D.C., under which D.C. could use the land for a variety of purposes, including stadium redevelopment. In plain English, (laughs) this bill would take the federally owned land that is the RFK Stadium site and make it so that D.C. would have control over what happens with the land. This bill, if it passes both the House and the Senate, is a complete game changer in the Commander Stadium situation. And so, yeah, it was very interesting that Governor Yunkin was in attendance at Commander's training camp practice on Thursday morning. And by the way, walked out to practice with Josh Harris, Mitchell Rails, and Mark Ein. The sale of the Commanders from Dan and Tanya Snyder to the Josh Harris group has breathed entirely new life 
into the team stadium situation. The team actually may well be getting what it has always wanted, a legitimate high-stakes three-way bidding war between D.C., Virginia, and Maryland. But there's no doubt that what most fans want is for the team's next stadium to be in D.C. As I have said on this podcast, I actually think that a new stadium in Virginia or Maryland could work just fine, but I also think that a stadium in D.C. could work just fine. I just don't think that the stadium situation is as much D.C. or bust as some people make it out to be. But listen, I do believe this. The Harris Group wants the team's next stadium to be in D.C. And there is a momentum for the team's next stadium to be in D.C. like never before. Uh, And with the fans in attendance on Thursday morning, again, great turnout. Uh, Head coach Rod Rivera did a post-practice press conference on Thursday morning. Here he was on the fans. It was cool. It really was cool. It really was. Um, I think one of the things that the players talked about was, you know, when somebody made a play, you could hear the fans get, get excited about it. And guys come back to the huddle. They got grins on their face and stuff like that. So their energy is part of what helps us. The reception from fans on Thursday morning of Josh Harris, uh, not so surprisingly, was highly positive. Uh, Harris and Mitchell Rails actually met with Commander's players on Wednesday. This was Ron Rivera on Thursday morning on how that meeting went. Uh, my understanding went very well. Um, you know, they, uh, they met with uh, a group of guys at lunch, and then they met the entire football organization as far as that was concerned. Um, you know, I thought it was good. I thought uh, both um, Mr. Harris and Mr. Rails got up and, you know, expressed uh, for the most part what uh, their standard is, what their expectations are, um, and, and, and their beliefs and philosophies. So I think that was really good for our guys to understand how the ownership feels, how, how that group, you know, expects certain things, and that, uh, you know, they, I, I believe they're setting a very high standard for us. Yes, uh, it's about time that a high standard was set for and met by our football team. Uh, As for the actual football on Thursday morning, well, uh, interior defensive lineman Deron Payne has not practiced the last two days. Uh, He is dealing with what has been described as a minor toe issue. Uh, This was Ron Rivera on Thursday morning on Deron Payne. Ron on Deron. It's a very minor thing, and again, it's just something that, you know, you got the medicine take, take, take care of it. All right. Hopefully the uh, Duran Payne toe situation uh, is a very minor situation. A commander's defensive lineman who has been practicing is edge defender Chase Young. We on Thursday's show, episode 620, talked about Chase's right knee brace finally being off as uh, we're now more than 20 months removed from Chase suffering that badly injured right knee in the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field on November 14th, 2021. Here was Ron Rivera on Thursday morning on Chase Young. Oh, it was good to see Chase moving around the way he did. I mean, he's light years ahead of where he was last uh, training camp. Um, I think that's a, that's a big deal for us. Um, but I think the thing that you can really point to really is just, remember last year we talked about how the defense was working on something different and how they were trying to get that, that right. zone match down? It's different now. You see them, they're comfortable, they're confident in it. Um, I know Jack and them looked at it, made a couple adjustments to it. And those players have just adapted it so quickly. I mean, they, they are so far ahead of where they were last season. So, Rod Rivera on Chase Young, quote, he's light years ahead of where he was last training camp. 
end quote. And what Ron was talking about with the zone match thing uh, is this zone match defense that the team under defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio has employed. The basic idea with zone match defense is you're taking elements of both zone and man-to-man coverage. Uh, It's a complicated defense, but it is a defense that can confuse the heck out of quarterbacks. Uh, More from Ron on Thursday morning on the commanders being more comfortable in their zone match defense. Well, I think the communication aspect and understanding how to use the different tools that come with the defenses that that, that Jack and uh, the the defensive coaches have worked on and put together. You know, because these little little tools that, you know, give them opportunities to, to, to read and check certain things. And they seem to really have a good feel for that. Yeah, and all of that speaks to what we talked about with Commander's analyst and former Redskins corner Fred Smoot on Tuesday's show, episode 618. The idea that Washington this season could have the franchise's best secondary in decades. When you think about corners Emmanuel Forbes, Kendall Fuller, and Benjamin St. Juice, and safeties Cameron Curl and Derek Forrest, and an all-purpose defensive back in Quan Martin. But back to Chase Young. So with the caveats of, yes, the team has only had two full team practices so far in training camp. And yes, the team has yet to have a padded practice so far in camp. Uh, This was Ron Rivera on Thursday morning on what he's noticing from Chase Young. Well, you see the get off first and foremost. You know, last year he was a little hesitant, a little tentative. Um, Well, last year took him a while before he got out there completely. So you see him moving around with a lot more confidence, um, and, and, and you see him finishing as well, and that's the other thing. Yeah, it did take Chase Young a while to actually play last season. Chase, in the 2022 regular season, played in just three of the Commander's 17 games. He was on the reserve-slash-physically-unable-to-perform list from August 23rd, 2022 to November 21st, 2022, uh, due to the right knee, and then he was inactive for three consecutive games. He ended up playing in just the three games, although he, over those three games, uh, I thought played pretty well. He registered an overall grade for pro football focus of 78.4. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. Chase Young himself did a post-practice press conference on Thursday morning. Here he was on how he's feeling and now having no brace, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post, and then we'll fast-forward to an exchange with Commander's Insider Stephen Wino of the Associated Press. Uh, just feeling good, you know. Um, it was just that time to take it off and um, just to keep pushing forward. Are you at the point where you feel totally normal? You feel like 2020, basically? Yeah, I feel, I wouldn't say 2020. I feel myself. I feel where I'm at with my feet at, and I feel good. When you say you, you, you feel yourself again, was there is there a moment or is there something that, that when you cut or whatever that you say, this is not what I felt like six months ago or not what I felt like a year ago? Uh, I ain't about to get too, too detailed, but um, just know that I feel good and um, I'm running around and uh, I'm feeling explosive again. All right. So it is July. Just about everyone and everything in the NFL sounds promising and good in July. But if Chase Young really, truly is explosive again and really, truly is feeling well and, and this is important, is on the same page as his coaches and is going to be adhering to the defensive scheme, unlike what was the case in the 2021 season, then it is exciting to think about maybe, possibly, Washington this coming season having the Chase Young who the team had in his great 2020 rookie season. 
Uh, we know that Chase Young in the 2023 offseason worked with his college defensive line coach, Ohio State associate head coach and defensive line coach Larry Johnson, who was known as like this defensive lineman whisperer. Uh, here was Chase Young on Thursday morning on working with Coach Johnson. Yeah, man, uh, went back to the guru, um, Mr. Miyagi, what we call him. Um, uh, it, it was good to get it in. Um, back, uh, glad to be back with uh, RK, um, Big Z. Um, and we've been putting in work and just uh, working on the little things. So it's been great. Yeah, RK is the commander's assistant defensive line coach, Ryan Kerrigan. Uh, RK is not R. Kelly, in case you're curious. <laughs> okay, I don't think that Ryan Kerrigan has much in common with R. Kelly anyway. Uh, and Big Z. Uh, Big Z is the team's defensive line coach, Jeff Skinita. Uh, the commanders in the 2023 offseason uh, did not exercise the fifth-year option in Chase Young's rookie contract. And so this coming season is a contract season for him. Chase Young, as things stand right now, is set to be an unrestricted free agent in the 2024 offseason. And so we on Thursday morning had this exchange. Chase, do you feel at all like this year you need to sort of reprove yourself to the fan base, to this organization, now that you are feeling feeling healthy again? Nah, I'm just going to do me. I'm going to do me like I always do. All right. Well, Chase Young can do himself. That's fine, okay? I don't have a problem with that. But what I also hope that Chase Young does is play really well, okay? Uh, I am not someone who's going to attach like a sack total to him playing well. Uh, we know enough about sacks to know that they are a flawed way of judging an edge guy. But yeah, it would be nice to see Chase Young have a double-digit sack season. And more importantly, I want to notice Chase in games. I want to see him making impact plays and allowing for others to make impact plays. And I want Chase playing a lot for a commander's defense that overall is really good. This is a big season for Chase Young. He does have to reprove himself to the organization and to the fan base. And I hope like heck that he does. The Skins took Chase with the number two overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. The talent that compelled the team to take him with that pick still exists, okay? That talent has not evaporated. Uh, Chase just needs to stay healthy and deliver on that talent. But I do believe that this fan base is ready to re-embrace Chase Young. Uh, the euphoria that we are in the midst of off the sale of the team, that euphoria can extend to players. This fan base is starving for this team to be really good again. Chase Young can be a big part of this team being really good again. Here was Chase on Thursday morning on the excitement from fans in attendance at practice on Thursday morning. And then you'll hear multiple follow-up exchanges with Commander's Insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times. Yeah, no, it was great, man, uh, to see the fans. Um, it definitely uh, lifted me a lot. Um, I appreciate our fans. Um, I know they're excited about the new ownership. And, um, you know, just the stands itself made it feel, um, you know, more of one of uh, NFL practice for real. Uh, but I'm definitely excited that they're here and I'm um, definitely thankful. Yeah, are the stands something that kind of just sticked out right away as you're kind of making that walk down? Or what did you think about this morning? Yeah, no, that was great. I see Mr. Harris ain't playing games. So <laughs> <laughs> that was real cool. And where did you start to see the the shift in the fan base, or how have you seen it shift kind of just in terms of the excitement level over the last couple months? Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's different when, uh, you know, the receiver's just running, you know, regular routes on air, and every time Terry catches the ball, I hear the crowd. So I know they hype, um, you know, and, and excited, and so are we. Yeah, well, receiver Terry McLaurin 
an Ohio State draftee who very much has delivered for Washington. I hope that we this coming season say the same about Chase Young. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, please consider following this podcast if you're not already doing that. Uh, following the podcast is free. Uh, if you have an iPhone, you can follow the podcast simply by tapping the plus sign in the upper right corner on the page listing the recent episodes of this podcast. Uh, more now from Thursday at Commander's Training Camp, quarterback Jacoby Brissett. He on Thursday morning did a post-practice press conference. Brissett's in kind of an odd situation, right? Jacoby Brissett in the 2022 regular season made 11 starts for the Cleveland Browns. He was their starting quarterback during quarterback Deshaun Watson's 11-game suspension, and Brissett did quite well over those 11 games. Uh, Jacoby Brissett for the 2022 regular season finished number eight among all qualified NFL quarterbacks in ESPN's total QBR and finished number seven among all qualified NFL quarterbacks and Football Outsiders DVOA metric for passing. The commanders in March signed Brissett as an unrestricted free agent to a one-year $8 million contract. Uh, He, according to head coach Ron Rivera, is in a quarterback competition with Sam Howell, but we all know the deal. Sam is being positioned to be the QB1. Uh, The starting quarterback job is his to lose. Uh, This was Brissett on Thursday morning on this push-pull of being a good teammate to Sam, but also competing with Sam. I think I was, I've been very fortunate to be in a lot of good QB rooms to where, you know, in every room, we always helped each other. Uh, we always kind of competed against each other, competed against each other. My rookie year, I'm in a, a room with, you know, the, the greatest quarterback of all time and Tom and then Jimmy, um, you know, th- that already like sparked, like, listen, you got to come out here and compete. Uh, in everything that you do, uh, because not that, that only not only does that make you better, it makes the team better, you know. So uh, I just think taking that from my rookie year to to get me to where I am today is just that's been like a, a foundational thing that I've stood upon. Um, so 
I think that's all the advice I can give them is just go out there, compete, try to do your best. And, you know, like I want the job just as much as he does. So I mean, but at the same time, I want to help him as much as I can. And I want him to help me as much as he can, because at the end of the day, it helps the team. And then, you know, and you kind of, you know, sacrifice the result for the process and, and just lay your head at, lay your head down at night and knowing that you put your best foot forward. Yeah, Jacoby Brissett was taken by the New England Patriots in the third round of the 2016 NFL Draft. Uh, Brissett was with the Patriots for the 2016 season. And yeah, their quarterback room for that 2016 season did feature Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jacoby Brissett. Uh, While we're talking about the commander's quarterback situation, we on Thursday morning during head coach Rod Rivera's post-practice press conference had this exchange with NBC4 commander's insider J.P. Finley, who was a guest on this podcast on Monday's show, episode 617. Sam talked yesterday and, and said he hears some of the, the people around the league that say, oh, there's a fifth rounder, he can't be starting. And, and he just blocks that, that out. How do you feel like he is vibing with the offense and kind of growing into this QB1 role? And I think that's a big part of it is really just developing the rapport that you need with your, with your teammates around you, more so than anything else, JP. I think as he gets more and more comfortable and they get more and more comfortable with them, you know, that vibe really comes together. And, and that's probably the important thing. And, you know, I think there's a, certain, there's a certain aspect to it where you've got to get past draft status, okay? Because if, if that were the case, guys that were taken in, what, the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth round, people shouldn't be talking about, apparently. Um, I think it's all about what the player does and the proof will be in the pudding. It is amazing how much when in an NFL draft a player was taken impacts the perception of that player, even though so many good NFL players are taken on day twos and day threes of NFL drafts and so many first round picks end up being busts. There's no doubt that most non-first-round quarterbacks do not become good NFL quarterbacks. But something to think about with that is how much of that is selection bias? How much of that is most non-first-round quarterbacks not getting the opportunity to become good NFL quarterbacks because those guys are non-first-round quarterbacks? Like, there may well be a good bit of self-fulfilling prophecy going on here. Well, no matter the round in which Sam Howell was drafted, if the commander's offensive line this coming season isn't a lot better than the line was last season, then it may not matter what Sam does this coming season. Rod Rivera on Thursday morning on how the commander's revamped offensive line is doing. I think they're doing pretty well. The one thing is they got to get used to working with one another. You know, there's a couple of guys that are really working together and starting to develop that. Um, and some of our young guys that, you know, some of our backup guys are going to get opportunities as well. They have to develop that communications and that, that rapport with one another to be confident in the things that they need to do. Well, for what it's worth in the battle at left guard between Sadiq Charles and Chris Paul, Sadiq on Wednesday morning was the first team left guard in team drills. At right guard, we have the commanders moving Samuel Cosme from right tackle. Ron Rivera on Thursday morning on Cosme's transition to right guard. Well, I think it's going to work very well for him. I mean, here's a guy that has the ability to play both inside and outside as far as guard or tackle. Um, I think because he is stout and his athletic ability uh, will help us. And I think that'll be, you know, that'll be a plus. Um, and for him also, we've got him just focusing on the one position. And I think so far it's gone very, very well. 
Yeah, remember what we ended up having last season, these in-game rotations of Samuel Cosme and Cornelius Lucas at right tackle. And we in the loss to the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field on New Year's Day had not only Cosme and Lucas rotating at right tackle, but also Cosme and Trey Turner rotating at right guard. The whole thing got really confusing. What was going on in that game, especially with Cosme, was like the ultimate position flex display from Rod Rivera. Position flex. Yes, Ron, your favorite thing, position flex. Uh, I do think that it's a good thing that Samuel Cosme finally can focus on just one position. He needs to stay healthy, though. Washington took Cosme in the second round of the 2021 NFL Draft. He, over his two NFL regular seasons, has played in just 23 of a possible 34 games. Another guy who was taken by Washington in the 2021 draft was receiver De'Ami Brown. Uh, He was taken in the third round. Uh, He so far has not done much as an NFL player. De'Ami, over his two NFL regular seasons, has played in 30 games, but has totaled just 17 receptions. Now, he, during Thursday morning's practice, did look good. Uh, This was Ron Rivera on Thursday morning on De'Ami Brown. Well, in this offense, uh, and really anytime Deami gets on on the on the field, you do expect certain things. And and one of the things that he's you know was noted for coming out of uh, North Carolina was he was known for the ability to catch the ball in traffic. Um, you know, he he led the NCA in contested catches. Uh, he was also one of the top guys in, in in the deep balls thrown as well. So we're expecting and anticipating to get that from Deami. We we got a little bit of it last year. I uh, wish we had gotten more. Because uh, he is an explosive guy with good speed. Yeah, Deami Brown for UNC in the 2020 season had a big season with, yes, Sam Howell as Carolina's QB1. Deami had back to back thousand yard receiving seasons for the Tar Heels in 2019 and 2020. But Deami in that 2020 season, uh, again, with Sam Howell as Carolina's QB1, 55 receptions for 1,099 yards and eight touchdowns. Uh, Diami was a semifinalist for the Bolitnikoff Award. And how about this? Diami, for pro football focus on go routes over the 2019 and 2020 seasons, ranked tied for first among all FBS receivers with 15 receptions and eight touchdown receptions and ranked first with 606 receiving yards. Uh, would love to see Diami Brown have a big 2023 season. But, you know, if Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and Jahan Dodson are all healthy, it may be hard for Diami uh, to find playing time with those other three receivers clearly ahead of Diami right now. Uh, additionally, what about Commander's running backs being utilized more as pass catchers, especially with Eric Bieniemy now, the team's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator? Ron Rivera on Thursday morning got asked about running back Brian Robinson Jr. being more of a pass catcher. Here was Ron's answer. Well, I think for all of our backs, you want to see these guys get opportunities to get the ball in space. You know, um, last year, Brian showed everybody in in space, you know, he's a load. Um, You watch what Antonio Gibson does when he's in space, and he's he's elusive. He's a little bit of a slasher in space because of his – he's got speed that people don't realize. I mean, this is a guy that ran a 4-3 coming out. So, you know these guys with the ball in their hands, they're good athletes. Give them a little bit of space. Give them a little bit of room to build up some momentum. And they become a load to tackle. So it's all part of what you know we're trying to accomplish offensively in talking with Eric is get the ball out quickly, get them in positions to make plays quickly, and, and we'll go from there. 
Eric Bieniemy, of course, spent the last five seasons as the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator. It's probably silly to compare anything of the commanders with the Chiefs, given that the Chiefs have the great Patrick Mahomes as their starting quarterback. But what the heck? It is a Friday, okay? Let us be silly. Uh, Chiefs running back Jarek McKinnon last regular season, 56 receptions for 512 yards and nine touchdowns. Chiefs running backs, Jarek McKinnon, Clyde Edwards-Elair, and Isaiah Pacheco, a combined 86 receptions for 793 yards and 12 touchdowns. Major receiving production from Chiefs running backs last season. Would be awesome to see commanders running backs this coming season have that kind of production as pass catchers. Well, the Nationals lately have been inundated with rain delays. Uh, So many recent Nats games have been delayed by rain in some way. And Thursday night, we had quite the scenario. Game one of a four-game series for the Nats at the New York Mets. Uh, The Nats' top reliever right now with Hunter Harvey on the 15-day injured list, Kyle Finnegan. Uh, He was all set to come into the game in the bottom of the eighth in a big spot. Bases loaded, one out, and the game tied at one. Uh, Finnegan was warmed up. He was ready to go, but then came a rain delay, a rain delay of an hour and 37 minutes. And yet, after the delay, Finnegan still pitched. Uh, He faced two batters and got two outs, but the first out was a tie-breaking one-out RBI sack fly by Mark Canna for a 2-1 Mets lead, and that was the final. Uh, A 2-1 loss for the Nats at the Mets. The Nats fell to 43-60 and in this 2023 regular season, uh, second worst record in the National League. Uh, this was Nats manager Davey Martinez during his postgame session with reporters late night on Thursday night on Kyle Finnegan pitching after the rain delay of having warmed up before the delay. It was a tough call. Obviously, you know, I talked to Finnegan and, it, you know, with a reliever, it's kind of different because, you know, he could be up in the eighth inning. All of a sudden, you know, they'll tie the game. We set him back down, and we got a chance to win the game in the 16th, and he goes back out. So um, that's the kind of way we're looking at him. And he said he was fine. Um, he didn't throw at all, so he didn't warm up. So um, he felt good. So, But, it was, you know, the whole thing was weird, you know. But I, I could see their concern. I mean, it downpoured, and there was a lot of lightning around. So um, they, just wanted, they just wanted to be safe. Well, Kyle Finnegan on Thursday night came into the game off not just the rain delay, but off a woeful outing by reliever Mason Thompson. For the game, four Nats relievers combined to allow two runs in two innings. Jordan Weems in the bottom of the seventh faced three batters and got two outs as he gave up a one-out double by Brett Beatty to the right center field gap. Jose A. Ferrer came into the game in the bottom of the seventh with a runner on second, two outs, and the Nats nursing a one nothing lead. Uh, he got the Mets' number one batter, Brandon Nimmo, to line out to left fielder Corey Dickerson for the third out. And then Mason Thompson came into the game. You know, Thompson at times this season has been great. He threw games on May 1st, had an ERA of 180 for this regular season. But he's starting with an appearance on May 2nd, had a terrible May. Uh, he had a good June, but he's having a bad July. And Thompson on Thursday night was bad. Uh, Thompson ended up being a mess in the bottom of the eighth. He officially allowed two runs in a third of an inning. He faced five batters, but got just one out. He threw 21 pitches, just 11 strikes 
versus 10 balls. Now, he did encounter some bad luck. Thompson gave up a one-out infield single by Jeff McNeil on a swinging bunt on a 1-2 pitch. His catcher keep it. Ruiz actually slipped in throwing to first base, although McNeil might have been safe anyway. Uh, and then Thompson gave up a one-out single by Pete Alonso on a high fly ball into no man's land in center field as center fielder Alex Call initially went back before charging in. So, okay, some bad luck for Mason Thompson. But Thompson then gave up a game-tying, one-out, full-count RBI single by Daniel Vogelback to right field to tie the game at one. And Thompson issued a one-out wild pitch, giving the Mets runners on second and third with one out. And then Thompson, on the very next pitch after the wild pitch, issued a one-out hit-by-pitch of DJ Stewart to load the bases with one out And then that was it. Davey Martinez pulled Thompson from the game, and then the rain came. Uh, The biggest bright spot for the Nats in this 2-1 rain-delayed loss at the Mets on Thursday night was starting pitcher Josiah Gray. He tossed six scoreless innings. Uh, The run prevention was great. Now, the pitch efficiency (laughs) was not so great. Uh, Gray gave up just two hits, both of which were singles, but he issued three walks and two hit-by-pitches. He recorded four strikeouts, and all of this added up to Gray over his six innings, throwing 106 pitches, 63 strikes versus 43 balls. Uh, Josiah Gray overall is having a terrific season, a big-time step-forward season. He, for this regular season, 21 starts, an ERA of 327. The Nets to pick or that he's putting too many guys on base, and he's throwing a lot of pitches, preventing him from eating up more innings. But I don't want to lose sight of him having an ERA of 327. Gray, for the 2022 regular season, had an ERA of 502, gave up a major league worst 38 home runs, and issued a national league worst 66 walks. And Gray, for the Nats in the 2021 regular season, made 12 starts and registered an ERA of 5. 31. Again, Josiah Gray this season, big time step forward season. Uh, This was Davey Martinez during his postgame session with reporters late night on Thursday night on Josiah Gray. And then you'll hear an exchange with my partner on the Nats Chat podcast, Nats Insider, Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com. Yeah, the cutters, the cutter was good. I mean, it, it was really good. Um, you know, he had all those lefties in the lineup. Um, he utilized it really well, and it was effective. So, you know, like I said, he 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 went out for the sixth inning, and you know, we, you know, they had all those lefties. We had Ferrer up uh, just in case something happened. But um, man, he, he he like I said all year long, he's been a bulldog in situations like that, and I felt co- confident that he can get through that inning, and and he did. He has cut his home run rate in half this year from where it was last year. And there were a few balls of the warning track tonight. But do you feel like the progress he's made there is a reflection of what he's done? This is the different kind of pitches that he's throwing to induce weaker contact. What do you attribute that to? Yeah, I think I think it's 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 um, the pitches that he's added. You know, the cutter. You know, he's he's got two different sl- sliders now. You know, um, uh, but the, you know the thing is, you know, he, we talk about all the time. You know, when he when he starts throwing his fastball and can spot his fastball. I mean, there's there's always something that you got to look for that's different. Um, you know, so that you know, it's been it's been really good for him, and he's been like I said, he's uses his pitches really well. He's got a game plan before each game, um, and and he's been sticking to it, and he's been doing really well. Yes, he is. Uh, not doing really well for the Nats on Thursday night was their offense. Uh, the Nats scored just one run, totaled just five hits, all of which were singles. Did work four walks, but the Nats went just one for five 
with runners in scoring position. Tough night for Lane Thomas. He is the Nats starting right fielder and number two batter. Went 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. You know, Thomas has cooled off. He, for this month of July, has an on-base percentage of just a 293 and a slugging percentage of just 370. Uh, tough night for Luis Garcia. He is an ad starting second baseman and number eight batter went 0 for 3. Garcia is having a brutal month. He, for this month of July, has an on-base percentage of just a 236 and a slugging percentage of just 239. Uh, the Nats' lone run in the game came in the bottom of the sixth on a one-out RBI sack fly by Kbert Ruiz, who has the Nats' starting catcher and number five batter went one for three with a single and the RBI sack fly. We did have two Nats who each had a single and two walks. C.J. Abrams, another good game. He is the Nats' starting shortstop and number one batter went one for three with a single and two walks. And he had a stolen base. Abrams now in this month of July and on base percentage of 398 and a slugging percentage of 542. And Alex Cole, he is an ad starting center fielder and number nine batter, went one for one with a swinging bunt single and two walks, although he did get thrown out on an attempted steal of second base. Game two for the Nats at the Mets, Friday night at 7-10. Mackenzie Gore will be the Nats starting pitcher, and the ex-Nat Max Scherzer will be the Mets starting pitcher, the Nats ace of the past versus perhaps the Nats ace of the future. Game three is Saturday night at 7-10. Patrick Corbin will be the Nats starting pitcher and game four is Sunday afternoon at 1-40. Trevor Williams, the ex-Met, will be the Nats starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 622. We'll have a lot for you on the Commanders and on the rest of our Washington, D.C. area sports weekend, including plenty on the Nationals and the Orioles with each team facing a New York team. Uh, the Nats this weekend have the final three games of a four-game series at the New York Mets. The Orioles this weekend have a three-game series against the New York Yankees at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. Position flexed.